Today I'm going to share with you the third message uh, in this series, The Power of Words. But before we begin, I want to start in a little bit different way. I want us to practice just for a moment what we just sang. Uh, so we just sang together the words, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. Fill, fill the atmosphere. And, and there's some things I want to share with you this morning that I want you to hear but more importantly, I want you to understand. And I, I, I can't do that. I can't make you understand that. I, I think the Spirit does that work. And, and sometimes, I've noticed in my life, I just need to get ready for that. So here's what I want you to do, I, if you would. It may feel a little bit awkward, but would you just close your eyes for a moment? And I just want you to, to take a few deep breaths. And, and as you do, if... If you feel this morning worry or anxiety or just junk in your soul, would you just breathe that out? Just let that go. Spirit, we do pray that you will do work here as we open up your word, as we, as we consider your work in our life, pray, Lord, that we would all hear, but also, Lord, that, that you would give us today a sense of understanding. So move away, Lord, anything that would create a barrier for that. Help us to hear and to know, to understand, and in that process, Lord, by your Spirit to be transformed. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, first gospel, the gospel of Matthew. We're going to be looking at three verses there in, in, in Matthew. And what I want to do to, to begin is I want to tag on to something that I ended with last week. Um, in, in, we talked about the power of words in the context of our families. And so if you weren't here, here's where we kind of ended the message last week. We were looking at the idea, the question, why are words so powerful? Why do we believe that words can change your life? And why is it that a positive, life-giving word means so much to us and why is it that a, a, a damaging word, a hurtful word, often causes such pain for us in our life? I, I shared this very simple scripture with you. Romans 8 verse 16 says this, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so here's, here's what I think that means. I think that means that when you say yes to Jesus, when you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life, there are two really critical things that happen for you in that moment. The first one, which you've probably all heard of before, it's the one that we often celebrate and lift up and affirm, is that you are forgiven of your sins. That's what we believe. When you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, Jesus sets us right with God. Jesus forgives us of our sins. We become a new creation, is, is another phrase that's used in the New Testament to describe the transformation that happens in our life 
when that journey of faith begins. We say, yes, Lord, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. That's the first thing that happens. But here's the second thing that we don't talk as much about, but it is a really critical part of this change that happens in our life. The second thing that happens is that the Spirit takes up residence in our lives. The Spirit begins to live in us. Now, I know for some of you that may sound a little bit strange, like, whoa, there's going to be something that like invades my body. That's a little bit weird, but just, just stick with me here for a moment. Here's what I want you to understand. When the Spirit takes up residence in our life, what Romans 8, 16 says is that that Spirit begins the process of testifying with our spirit that we are God's children. In other words, the work of the Spirit is to speak words into your life. And those words affirm the idea that you are loved and treasured as a child of God. Those words are are the words that are on a continual repeat in your heart and in your life in, in connection with your spirit when you say yes to Jesus. That's the work of the Spirit in your life. So we said last week that when you say to your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter or another close family member or a real close friend, when you speak a word that is in agreement with what the Spirit is speaking into their life, what happens in that process is you sharpen the voice of the Spirit in them. That's why that moment is so meaningful for us. That's why we can remember those, those words of affirmation, those words of love and acceptance that we may have heard from a, a family member or a mentor or a coach or a teacher or just someone who played a significant role in our life. When they said a word that was in agreement with the Spirit's word in our life, it sharpened that. It not only connected them, us to them, but it connected to something so much bigger than them, the work of God's Spirit in our life. And then conversely, we talked about that when we speak a word that is in conflict with what the Spirit is seeking to remind us and affirm in us in our life, what it does is it silences the voice of the Spirit. It makes it harder for someone to hear that word that God wants so desperately for them to hear. That's the power of words. With our words, we have the capacity, not only with others, but also within ourselves, to either sharpen or silence the voice of the Spirit. Now, here's where I wanted to start there. I wanted to start there because there's a subtle thing that is affirmed in this very simple teaching that is really important for us today. Today, we're going to be talking about the words that we say to ourselves the words that you speak to yourselves, the way that you see yourself and what you constantly remind yourself of about yourself that no one else hears. No one else knows about this inner dialogue that, that goes along. Some people who may know us really, really closely may be aware of some of those things, but often this is the thing that no one else sees and no one else hears and no one else can say, what are you, what are you talking about? That's crazy. No one else can speak against it. But as we look at this inner dialogue, and you look again at Romans 8, 16, go ahead and throw that scripture back up. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. What's affirmed in here that's a little bit subtle, and I would encourage you to write this down, a very simple idea, that you have a spirit. You have a spirit. Now, you can use different words for that. You can talk about your heart. You can talk about your soul. You can talk about your inner life. There's all sorts of different ways to describe that. 
but this verse affirms the idea that you have a spirit. In other words, when you said yes to Jesus, if you've made that decision in your life, God's spirit didn't come in and conquer your spirit. Conversion to Christ is not a hostile takeover. It is not God's Spirit coming in and overcoming your own spirit. You are not a puppet for God. You are not a zombie for Christ. That's not what happens in conversion. Rather, what happens when we say yes to Jesus is it establishes a, this is a very important word, a partnership between your spirit and God's spirit. Now, here's what I want you to hear. That right there is one of the most common misconceptions about the Christian faith. Many of us, when we think about our faith, when we look at our prayer life, we pray to God as if the Spirit has done a hostile takeover of our life. We say, God, make me patient. And God says, that wasn't the deal. That's not what I do. I work in partnership with you and your spirit. You have a spirit. You have a will. And these two things work together. And I want to build on that idea today as we think about the words that we speak to ourselves, the words that rest on our spirit and guide our life. This idea that that, that faith in Jesus and a life with Jesus is a partnership between our spirit and our will and our desires and the spirit of God at work in our life. So Matthew chapter 12, we're going to read three verses. And what I want you to know about these three verses is while we're just looking at a specific passage in Matthew's gospel, what Jesus is talking about here is a principle that we find throughout his teaching. It's a way that he understands and sees life. So I'm going to read you the three verses, but then we're going to look at the principle that is present here that, again, we find throughout the, the, all of Jesus' teaching. So verse 33 says this. Jesus is, by the way, talking with some adversaries here, so you're going to hear some really nice language that he uses with them. He says, verse 33, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. So that's Jesus' way of saying to his adversaries, you are not very nice people. That's, so you might want to use that tomorrow if you have an enemy. You say, just call him a brood of vipers. That's a nice thing to say. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart or you might put in there the word soul or inner life, however you want to describe that spirit, what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil things stored up in him. So make a tree good, its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, its fruit will be bad. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And a good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in him. An evil thing, evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in him. So here's the principle. And you find this throughout the teachings of Jesus. This is how he understands life. That life is lived from the inside out not the outside in. 
Life is lived from the inside out rather than the the outside in. So let me just give you an illustration that will hopefully clarify what this principle means. So I want you to think about the last time that you heard someone ask you this question, how was your day? Okay, you got home at the end of the day, your spouse, your, you may have asked your, your parents may have asked you this, you may have called a close friend, talked about your day, and in the course of that, the question was, how was your day? Or maybe you showed up this morning to church and you saw a close friend who you hadn't seen all week, and they asked the question, how was your week? How'd your week go? And here's what I'm going to go out on a limb and guess what happened to you in, inside your head, what you, where you, how you mentally process the question, how was your day or how was your week? What we typically do when we're asked the question, how was your day or how was your week, is we mentally process a slightly different question. The question that we process is, what happened to me today or what happened to me this week? And so as we're thinking about how we want to answer the question, how was your day or how was your week, we start thinking about all the things that happened to us over the course of the last 24 hours or the last seven days. We think about all the things that went right, all the things that we were hoping would go a certain direction and they actually ended up going there. You know that feeling when you get home at the end of the day and you had like four or five things that you really wanted to have happen and everything went according to plan? Do you remember what that day was like that happened about four or five years ago for you when everything went according to plan? You get to the end of the day and you think, well, I feel great because of all these things that happened to me today. Everything went according to plan, but maybe your life goes a little bit differently than that sometimes. You think about all the things that didn't go the way that you planned, or all those surprises that, that showed up at work, or, or what, whatever you were spending your day or you were doing. You think about all the things that happened to you, and then you speak to whoever's asked that question, an expression of how you feel about what happened to you, right? That's what we typically do. We think about all the things that have happened to us. Now, when you look at the teaching of Jesus, Jesus would encourage you to answer the question, how was your day, in a very different way. According to the teaching of Jesus, the most critical question is not, what happened to me today? The most critical question is, what happened in me today? What happened in me? What is it that is, that is happening in my soul, in my spirit? What, what is it that's being stirred up within me? Because life is not lived from the outside in, from circumstances to, to feelings, to, but, but rather from the inside out, from what is happening within us. So Paul, in the, his letter to the church uh, to the Galatians. He, he writes about the fruits of the Spirit. You remember this part of, of Paul's letter? You may have learned this when you were in Sunday school, all the fruits of the Spirit, the things that are supposed to be cultivated in your life by the work of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. I always forget gentleness for some reason. Self-control. All, all these things that are supposed to be cultivated in your life, right? Well, here's the critical idea about the fruits of the Spirit. Those are supposed to be nurtured and grown in your life regardless of what is happening around your life. Patience isn't something that grows in your life because everything goes according to plan and there's no one in the express lane in front of you, right? Patience is something that is cultivated in you regardless of what is happening around you. Now, here's what that means. 
That means that the, beneath the surface of your life, beyond those circumstances and situations that we all face every single day, there is something happening in us that we were often unaware of. We're often uh, not, not really paying attention to something that is happening in us, something going on inside every single one of us. There's a story that we believe about God, that we believe about the world and we believe about ourselves. And that story that we tell ourselves, it shapes our thinking and it guides our behavior. And according to the words of that story that you are speaking into your life, the words that you are saying to yourself about God, about the world, or about who you are and how you fit in that world, you are either sharpening the voice of the Spirit or you are silencing the voice of the Spirit. You are either working in close partnership with the Spirit, heading in the direction that God wants you to go, or within you, though you may be unaware of it, there is a constant tug of war between what the Spirit is seeking to express in your life and what you may believe to be true about your life. It's the person, and I had this conversation all the time, the person who comes to my office, and this is kind of a hypothetical situation, but the person comes and they tell me a story of six things that have gone horribly wrong in their life. And, and as you're listening to this story, you're just thinking, wow, how in the world has this person survived this? They've, they've been through so much. And, and over and over again, you hear another turn in the story and it always goes in a direction that they don't want to go. And yet, as you're listening to the story, you're just thinking, wow, this person is just a strong... What perseverance they've had. They've been able to get through all of this, but they've hit another rut. They've hit another wall. And, and they'll say something like this to me. They say, I just don't know what I'm going to do because I just know I'm such a weak person. And I'm thinking, weak person? Are you crazy? Were you not listening to everything that you just said to me? You just, you just expressed to me that you are a person of tremendous strength and character and perseverance. And I will often ask them this question. I will say, if I were to ask, the three to four people who know you best, would they agree with what you just said about yourself? And you know what's interesting about that question? Most of the time, almost every time, there's no hesitation. The person will say, oh no, everyone always tells me I'm so strong and I just have this, this perseverance. I just don't believe them. And I just want to ask, well, why not? The words that we speak into our life either sharpen the voice of the Spirit or they silence the voice of the Spirit. Now, here's, here's where all this is going. This is going to a place that you're not going to like. I just need to tell you that up front. You're not going to like this. There's, there, you're going to hear this. And, and for some of you, it may sound like a relief, but for many of you, you're going to go, I don't know about that. Uh, you may want to push back on a little bit. I just want you to, I want to invite you to hear it. And I want to express to you that what I've learned in my own life about me and what I've learned in listening to, to others as they've talked about themselves and their situations and, and trying to figure out where God is seeking to lead them in their life, I think there is some measure of truth in this for all of us. Here's the statement. There are things that you believe about yourself that are not true. There are things that you believe about yourself that, you are, not, that are not true. 
And because you believe them, because you believe them, they have created a barrier. They have built a wall. They have separated you from what the Spirit wants you to hear in your life. They have silenced that voice. And there may be a breakthrough that you are praying will happen for you in your life that cannot happen until you face that. You look at it and you say, that's not true. It's just not true. In the first few years of my ministry, I worked with middle school and high school students. I served as a youth pastor for for six years, later working with college students as well. And one of the things that I learned really quickly was that there were some words that my students needed to hear over and over and over again. To be a good youth pastor is to turn yourself into a broken record. To say words of affirmation, words uh, of, of faith, to speak those into the lives of students on a consistent basis. And, and the reason, of course, is you all remember what that time was like for you in your life. There may be some here this morning. You're in that time in your life, and I would just invite you to hear this. that It's, it's hard. That is a hard, hard season of your life. As you enter into those teenage years, you, you move through high school, those early years of college, because you're, you're figuring yourself out. I mean, you really don't know yourself yet. You're, you're trying to understand how God has shaped you and wired you. You're trying to understand, well, what are the things that I do well? And what is, what, what is the, the thing I'm going to offer to the world? How am I going to spend my days? I mean, it's a really difficult time in our life. And you all remember that. And, and while we're trying to establish that sense of identity, to figure out who we are, there's, there's just some words that we need to hear through that process, Right? I mean, there's some words of love and affirmation that we need to hear. And so, so I became a broken record because I just had this sense early on. I was able to reconnect. I mean, I wasn't too far past that time in my own life. I was able to reconnect to that own, my own experience and remember that these are words that kids really need to hear from me over and over and over again. But that was affirmed even more in those early years after I went to a conference and I got the chance to hear Megan's story. Megan started her story sharing it with us at that conference by telling us about the early years of, of her teenage life. And she described herself as a very confident young woman, someone who had really close friends, had quality friendships, someone who had a great relationship with her parents, uh, felt, felt loved and accepted and, and, and worthy of their love fr- from her parents. Someone who was very active in church saw that as, a, as an important part of, of her life. Uh, uh, she, she was heading in the right direction, she said. Everything was, was on the right path in those very early years of, of, of her teenage life, she said, uh, until an event happened that really changed everything. She was 16. She was on a first date with a boy who she was really excited to, to be on a date with. She'd been hoping for, for a long time that he would ask her out, and she saw him as a very kind and, and wonderful young man, and so she had looked forward to that evening, but that evening did not go the way that she had hoped that it would. It ended with her being sexually abused by him. And she said, that night, my life changed. And the direction of my life began to move in a very, a very different way. And here's how she described the change that happened in her life. She said, the words 
that had guided my life up until that point, the words changed. The words of feeling worthy and loved and confident, they changed to different words. She said they changed to words like ugly and broken and unworthy, ashamed and damaged by the fact that she didn't have the courage to tell anyone else about what happened to her that night. She said, because these words began to take root in my life, I I started heading in a very different direction. I started engaging not only in, in behavior that was destructive to myself, but also investing in relationships that she said I knew were not were not the best relationships for me, but she said, I just felt like I wasn't worthy of a better relationship for me. She became estranged from those friends who had given her such strength, and of course her parents had no idea what was going on in her life. They had suddenly seen their daughter transformed and had no idea how to help her, had no idea what had happened to her in her life. For years, she said, my life went a very different direction and the decisions that I made, the relationships that I had developed, the, the behaviors that I practiced were all, all sent me in the wrong direction. Following again those words, the, the, the feeling that she was ugly, that she was broken, she was unworthy, she was ashamed, she felt damaged. When she got to college, she reconnected with her faith and she reconnected with a a group of friends who over the course of that that relationship, she finally found the courage to talk about what had happened to her that night. And she said that as that relationship developed and she she began to reinvest in her faith and, and to begin to see herself in a different way, she said there were four words that I just felt this conviction that I needed to hear in my life. And the words were this, you are lovely, you are priceless, you are precious, and you are acceptable in my sight. And she said, when those words came to me, I made a decision that I was going to intentionally try to plant these words into my soul. And so here's what she did. She woke up every single morning, she went to the mirror, She looked at herself, and she said those words to herself. She looked in the mirror, and she said, you are lovely, you are priceless, you are precious, you are acceptable in my sight. And she said, for the first few months, you know, I just, I expected a miracle to happen, and it didn't happen. Life didn't really change the way I wanted it to, but she said, over the course of many, many months, as I practiced that, every single day coming again to that mirror and looking herself in the face and saying those words you are lovely you are priceless you are precious and you are acceptable in my sight she said over the course of time eventually I began to believe again that those words were true about me here's what Jesus says Jesus says, make a tree good. In other words, the soul, the spirit, the partnership between your spirit and God's spirit, when that's in harmony, when when the words that you are saying to yourself are in harmony with the words that the spirit, the fruit of your life will be, Jesus says, good. Why? Because life is lived from the inside out. But if there is disharmony, if the tree is bad, if the root system 
is somehow damaged, the fruit will be bad. Because this whole faith thing is not, it's not a hostile takeover. It's not praying for God to do a magic trick and to conquer your soul. It's for the spirit and your spirit in that partnership for your will to be transformed. And it happens when we speak into our lives the same words that the Spirit is speaking into our life. Will you throw those words back up there one more time, Jennifer? So here's what I want you to do uh, this morning. I want to invite you just again to a time of stillness, a time where you just spend a moment breathing in and breathing out. I just want you to look at those words and ask yourself the question, because I don't know what the words are that are rattling around in your soul and And you know what's really difficult about this? The people who know you best, some of them don't even know. Some of them look at you and they just see someone who has confidence and knows what they're doing and they have no idea that inside you there's a word that doesn't need to be there. There's a word that is destructive to you, that is damaging to you, that you just need to let go. So I just want you to look at those words. You are lovely, you are priceless, you are precious, you are acceptable in my sight. And I just want you to ask yourself the question, are the words that I am repeating to myself, are they in harmony with that or are they in conflict with that? Are they sharpening the voice of the Spirit in your life or are they building a barrier? Are they silencing that and pushing away from what God would most want you to hear. So I want to pray for you, but, but in that time of prayer, I, I want you just to be open to what the Spirit may say and how the Spirit may nudge you to hear perhaps some different words about yourself today. Let's pray. Spirit, we pause this morning to thank you for your work in our life and to thank you for the determination that you show in nurturing in us truth, the truth about God and the truth about ourselves. We confess to you, Lord, that our words are sometimes in conflict with that. The way we see ourselves is in conflict with that. And we recognize, Lord, that if life is going to change, we have to change. The story that we tell ourselves, the, the words that we choose to believe. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that if there is a bondage there, if, there is, if there's an experience in their life that has wounded them in a significant way, if there's a relationship, Lord, that has planted in them some false truth, I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would break down that wall. And that perhaps, Lord, in hearing these words today, your spirit would give a deeper understanding. 
and allow, allow my brothers and sisters to begin to move forward again. So do your work this morning. Whatever work that needs to happen in, in the lives of these, your people. That we may know and live according to what is true about you and true about us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.